and everywhere the pebbly eucalyptus bonbons spilled during takeoff to find her shoes. Black pumps she forces on feet, fat and numb after nine hours of flight. Excuse me, she repeats with urgency, half rising. Too late, lady. Verboten now. Tough luck. Her seatmate's offhand German sounds like a correction to her automatic choice of English, that meta-language of commerce and migration, of terminals and fresh starts, and also of the country this plane took off from. He taps her arm as she tries to squeeze past. He points to the red signals blinking all the length of the cabin like holiday decorations in a bar. Strictly forbidden to walk in the aisle during landing. Sardonic lowering of his voice. Naturally, too dangerous. The plane sinks like a shot bird. She falls back in her seat. First visit to Berlin, he asks. She shrugs. Hardly. Ah, so for you I expect it's like in the old Dietrich song. You can't resist the allure of the city. He tugs her safety belt tight, an odd intimacy after thoroughly ignoring her so long. I still keep one suitcase in Berlin, da-da-de-dum-de-dum. No, it's only a stopover. Curious to see the world's biggest construction site? Not at all. I'm looking for someone. Looking for... I see. Spoken quickly and lightly to fend off a suspected lonely heart. Suppose nowadays, with the big money moving in, Berlin's as good a place for that as any. She shuts her eyes. No use. Clouds of heat continue to rise through her body, to explode, heat into light behind her eyes. Halogen, she thinks, neon, freon. She presses her dry lips together to hold in a sudden excess of saliva. Swallowing this liquid requires all her effort. Lady, you feel unwell? Should I call for some water? Her hand lifts and circles in a dismissing gesture, as if flipping a coin into a well. She can't even muster anger at his sudden badgering. Never motion-sick. Not here, not in that first jolting plane, not on trains or ships, in careening cars, on motorcycles, roller coasters. Never. To be motion-sick would be for her as out of character as letting white roots show in her hair, or taking religious vows, or developing a taste for slapstick comedy. So she tells herself to quell the nausea. Frau Schalk, thousand pardons. But look here, hold this, the paper bag, you know, in case of an emergency. A rough paper edge nudges her calmly folded hands. She refuses to open her eyes, self-contained. She is German again, now. On the wind-scoured plain of the Mark Brandenburg, June can be cold as November. The moment she passes through the terminal's electric eye doors, a bruised blue cloud over Tegel Airport starts to release sharp pellets of rain. Her fellow arrivals scrambled into waiting taxis, followed by imploding umbrellas. Kette is in no such rush. No one is waiting. Who would know she's come back? Standing at the curb, scanning passing faces in the refreshing rain, she can feel her heartbeat quicken with excitement. Her stupid heart. A fearful hope leaps up, one she's reluctant even to name at this moment, although she can't escape its sibilant suggestion in a swirling rain gust. Sophie, Sophie, Sophien. Be on guard, she tells herself. It's only because you've been living where weeks go by without any human contact, where any new face is food for days' worth of conjecture, 
that you dream it could be so magically easy that she might be here, as if this crowd were all the city holds. Be reasonable. She focuses on checking her belongings, suitcase on its wobbly little wheels, overstuffed carry-on, Nikon dangling from a cord around her neck, purse. Things, she thinks, possessions, how they expand and contract. One day you are suffocating in responsibility to things and the inertia of their mass, but next morning, after a fire or flood, or maybe a trapdoor divorce, you stand stripped to your shivering skin. In her purse are Kleenex, two passports, a blank envelope, chubby with new D-mark notes, and a cancelled plane ticket. One way, because she didn't and doesn't know when she will want or need to leave again or where she will go from here. She looks around for a bus, the cheap ride downtown. She does not trust her relationship with money and knows how quickly this parched city leeches gold, silver, copper from its guests. She means to watch her pennies, to make a good start for once. Her former seatmate stumbles past, headlong. Taxi, wait, you bastard, for heaven's sake! Athletically, he slings his laptop and a navy blue case such as pilots carry into the nearest cab. Before, during the flight, he annoyed her. Now she has an impulse to wave. How strange, she thinks, to spend nine hours joined at the hip with someone, to eat and drink beside him under tender nightlights, to surrender to sleep together, but only trade a few stingy words and then part forever. She guesses that this businessman traveling so light must have everything waiting here in Berlin. An apartment bright with modern furnishings and art, an eager girl or boyfriend or wife, perhaps a child. He snaps down his umbrella. Door slam. She sees him stiffen blindly against the gravitational force of acceleration as the cab splashes past her. With that lash of cold gutter water across her ankles, she feels completely alone. This is the arrival of Invisible Kette, of the former Countess von Thal, for that matter, the name still printed in her German passport, although for everyday use she's long since reverted to a simple generic Frau Schalk. But he knew me, in the plane. How did he find out my name? A shared ocean of hours. While she slept, drooling in her exhaustion on the airline's pillow as a damp spot testified, had he bent down to read her luggage tag? Had his hand even dredged for the ID inside her purse? Or could he be someone who did know her, having observed her here before in her former life? Don't go looking for trouble. Those days are over. Life in Berlin is different now. All the taxis are Mercedeses, all creamy blonde. The drivers assert their personalities with crocheted seat covers, Steel cloverleafs and horseshoes screwed to the front radiators, and sentimental toys, plastic crucifixes, stuffed toy dachshunds, velveteen soccer balls, tied to the rearview mirrors. As she nears the line, one taxi peels loose from its companions and draws up so close that when the window rolls down, she sees a single hair sprouted from a mole on the driver's inclined ear. Vartu! A guttural accent. Turkish? Bulgarian? The Pension Kurfürsten, near Charlottenburg Palace? You know that neighborhood? How much is the ride? She has never seen this pension, booked from an agent's list with some misgiving. Often the grander the title, the seedier the real thing. 
The driver flies around to take her suitcase. He looks hardly old enough to have a license. Furry brown hair grows low on his forehead over a premature wrinkle of concern. She smiles, an American habit. His blank response reminds her of babies in orphanages who are starved of playful contact. A shuddering roll of thunder is followed by rain hammering on them with conviction. Climb in, lady. I'll make you a nice price. Don't worry. Climb in. Warm inside. Ashtrays sealed by please-don't-smoke decals. Tasseled beads swing from the mirror. Leather and lemon, garlic and mint. Welcoming smells, as if she's been ushered into a private home. A hospitable parlor somewhere in the Near East. Her driver shoves a tape into the slot. A quarter-tone pop song wails. He hums along. One is, she admits to herself, a little nervous these days about Muslims. Is this a song of new love or lost love? Or religious fervor? She leans back, glad to be ignorant. Branches, the thick young rain-burdened leaves of a cold June, wipe across the taxi's furled windows. Between branches, flashes of the old survivors... Stone buildings with shell holes artfully filled in and ornamental stucco restored. Beyond soar blue and yellow construction cranes, steel sketches of skyscrapers. She thinks, it's a fake, collective amnesia. You'd think nothing ever happened here but the unbroken progress of prosperity. Nearly a decade since unification, yet she still isn't entirely comfortable in Berlin West which is still the West, despite revised maps that deny a wall ever existed. No deep scar, no crosses for the ones who failed to make it across, not so much as a faint dotted line. Well, but how comfortable was...